0: Good morning. Welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you all to tuning in to the live show. Today is Sunday, February eleventh, twenty eighteen. I'm Scott Loman. Here today are Greg Layden and Lynette Gillen Hotblad about and we're going to be talking about religion and climate change. So be sure to stay tuned for the American Atheist Viewpoint in the fourth segment of the hour. We welcome listener interaction during the live show with your phone calls to 952-946-6205 or your emails to radio at MNATheists.org. The views of the interviewers and guests are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Minnesota atheists. The topic of climate change is important and we can see the change going on daily. Lynette Gillenblad has noticed that the religious community is not talking about the topic that much, and this is cause for concern. She and Greg Layden will discuss the importance of talking about this issue. You can find links and program archives on the Minnesota Atheist website. Greg Layden and Lynette Gillenblad, welcome to Atheist Talk.
1: Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Boy, you know, you have to be careful. If you call into this show, you'll end up being on it. And that's what happened to me. There so, you go. <laughs> I was like, "Well, no, I'm here. Okay, but it's great to be here." So I think when I originally called, I was I was calling in. You guys were talking about a different subjects. So sometimes I call into this show, and I don't know. I'm in a different world. But Hertzey said, "Hey, let's do a show." So I was, I was calling in. I don't remember what your original topic was, but that I am very concerned. I'm not necessarily an atheist myself. I, I like to be open to all things, and I just don't like when people like, dominate other people with their beliefs that are hurting people. And it seems like it's more the the Christian right that has this, there's a dominion factor to it, where they just, they don't, like, I heard Jerry Falwell say years ago that he was bragging about driving this big SUV, and he was wasting as much gas as he could, because it seems like making the liberals mad is more important to a certain sect of Christians. And that upsets me, because it seems like, really? So, so Earth here is just to be destroyed because you're going to leave and go to heaven. And is that really what some Christians think? So when I heard that, that's what I was thinking of. And But not all Christians think that way, but there are a percentage that do. And I'm sure you can all think of people that you know that might think that way. So anyway, that was why I... Well,
2: I think that lines up with a very common motivation for science deniers generally. That Christian or not, the other other than the religious aspect of it, I call it hippie punching. It is you get a certain amount of pleasure out of just attacking the environmental movement, and and there's a, an element to that that I was, have just been talking recently with colleagues about uh, the polarization accusation. You know the idea that when Al Gore lost to George Bush and he went into more environmental direct environmental activism, people will tell you now Al Gore is a polarizing figure. Al Gore polarized us. Al Gore is why. There's a, a difference between people who say climate change is a hoax versus that the science is real. And people, the, the thing about this is we can have these conversations on a Sunday morning in a radio show, but there are actually lots of scholars who study these things. And I know of a couple of peer-reviewed papers that ask the question, did Al Gore polarize the politics? And the answer is, according to the peer-reviewed research, no, he didn't. It's just that people say he did. But by saying he did, that's part of identifying the environmental movement, and environmentalists, and in, into this category that you just go out and denigrate because it makes some people like you yeah. when you do that, and that's yeah. what these religious leaders are doing. It's it's similar to what non-religious people are, or people who aren't religious leaders, but who are anti-climate change deniers, are actually doing something really similar. So that's a thing you've identified yeah. as real. I think very real.
1: And, and like when I was married, my <clears throat> husband had uh, his his two daughters. I remember they were having an argument in the back seat, and one of them called the other one a tree hugger, right. like that was an insult. And I said, why, what, what does that mean? She goes, I don't know. But she heard her <laughs> mom, who happened to be a Christian. And again, not all Christians are like this, but her mom was kind of like one of those dominionists where, you know, environment doesn't matter, you know. And, and so she didn't really know what she was saying, but she heard it and she knew it was a, a negative slur. And it's like, I just thought that was sad. It was like because her sister was writing a paper for her school, you know, on environmental something. And so that was her opportunity to make her feel bad or something. Because she liked trees. Yeah.
2: Well, one of my formative experiences as a person who became an environmental advocate is exactly relates to this. I was a kid learning about the environment. I, I, I knew that I could see around me that, that the environment was being built over. I, was, I lived in a place that didn't have suburbs. It was a city, and you walk out a few blocks out of the city, and you're in the country. Yeah, and this countryside was starting to get developed into into suburbs. Yeah, and I remember when the first shopping mall was built in our area. We didn't have one before, then we had one, and so on. And I remember thinking, and we used to go camping. We used to spend, spend where, June where was
1: that? Can I ask? In, up
2: Albany, New York.
1: In Albany, New York. Yeah, so okay. I
2: lived near Grayson Cemetery, so we could walk past the cemetery, and we were suddenly in Norman's, you know, in 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 the in the countryside. And and I, I we would go from June until. I would take off I would leave school a week early and come to, back to school a week late, and in between we'd be camping the entire time, so I had this real strong sense of the environment being built over at the time, yeah. Earth Day happened back in those days and I remember as a kid yeah. saying something, my uncle, who was a a missionary Franciscan missionary in Costa Rica, and he had come back to visit and uh, I remember saying something about the forests being cut mm. and they're being you know uh, and we are damaging the environment and he actually physically attacked me, like he hurt me, and like he spanked me, and that kind of stuff. So
1: how old were you?
2: I don't remember how old I was, but I was probably about seven. And he basically said, God put those things on this planet for man to use. Okay. You are say- What you are saying here is blasphemy. This is a priest. Yeah. I mean, he was great. I love my uncle. He was, did all kinds of cool stuff. He was a ham radio operator. He'd invent stuff. Yeah. I loved him coming around, and all of a sudden he was this monster attacking me because I was saying that. We wanted to save stuff. And yeah. his position was God put these things on this planet yeah. for us, for man to use and exploit. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I have a, because I was an altar boy. You yeah. know, I was a Christian. I was a Catholic. We went to church every, you know. Yeah. I remember a kid across the street from me telling me one day you're going to realize that religion is bogus and you're going to stop being Catholic. And right. I, I, I physically wanted right. to hurt him for saying that. Yeah, you know, as like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. So this is this is. But my transformation was to going to becoming ultimately an atheist involved the way that Christianity, in particular Catholicism, viewed the environment as something that we needed to exploit. And I just knew when I heard that. That's the first thing that I heard that told me that this was all
1: wrong. One thing that gives me hope. Oh, I'm sorry. He's gonna. Nope, keep nope. Going. I was going to say, the the Pope now is coming out, you know, for the environment. So sure. I thought that was a good thing. But then on the other hand, I mean, the Catholic religion also told everybody to be fruitful and multiply and have as many kids as you possibly can and, and populate everything. So that's a factor, too, that I'm not sure the Pope is looking at. But I do appreciate that, you know, he is talking about it in a positive way.
2: Yeah, as Popes go, this one's better than yeah, well, but- <laughs> In some areas. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's got a long way to go still. So, I don't know. Do we have a break coming up? I'm just looking uh, we, at you. No, we've got about four minutes. <laughs> yeah, four so. minutes. Okay, yep. yay. So that's what no, that's what I was because I, I was looking up a lot of different things and you know, Hertz he said you want to be on the show. So I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta find knowledge and things. And but I was hopeful that you know the priest or the the priest. Well, obviously he was a priest at one time, the Pope. But um, that you know. He, I was very encouraged by the message that he's sending. But on the other hand, I mean, I grew up with Catholic relatives bragging about how many kids they each had. And and then they'd complain about not going to, like, the state fair because there was too many people there. And I'd be like, don't they make the connection? You have 10 kids at home and half those kids probably at the fair are yours and the other half are your grandkids. So, I mean, I, you know, as far as the being Catholic, um, I can relate to that. I wasn't raised Catholic. All the guilt and shame was there. Because my grandfather was um, uh, kind of excommunicated from the church for being divorced at the time. So anyway. So anyway. Is there a break coming up yet? I keep no, looking we, at keep, you. No, we'll keep,
0: <laughs> keep talking away. I will jump in when we need to on that. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting because I, I tend to uh, – as uh, was reading, reading on one of my uh, blogs that I I read – um, being a watcher of of the religious right in this area, because there's two big stations that that run a lot of stuff, yeah. and I will listen to stuff, and they still ridicule the concept of climate change. On that, they call it this big hoax that somebody's making money off of, and I keep going, yeah. How? How is always yeah. the question on that part. Yeah. So the the and. and you know, the challenge there is to educate people on, on the science of what's going on. And, and, you know, Greg, this is something you're doing. And that's a huge challenge. Part
2: of it also is uh, you're absolutely right. And education is the magic bullet. Uh, and that's why it's been, uh, there's been such a huge effort made by anti-science people to, to claim that making scientific claims is itself political so, therefore, you can't – I mean, I was at the, at, our, at our precinct caucuses. I won't say which party because we're not supposed to do anything like that in this show. But I was at an, at a high school, and I said to the students, how come you don't have a, a party club in your school? And they said oh, – oh, kind of, 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 I, I don't want you to mention the name of your oh, party. Oh. But, um, and they said, we can't. We're not allowed in the school to have any political groups. Uh, meanwhile, there's another group that was interested in a different high school of forming that was an environmental group. Yeah. And they were viewed by one of our local high schools as being too political to do – to have. So environmental groups are political groups, according to the high schools sometimes. Some high schools in this area have environmental groups, and they encourage it, and they're big time. Other high schools, we don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I understand why the administrators don't want to, because if they have an environmental group, an anti-environmental group will then form. Oh, and They don't okay. want that. So in other words, our, even at the high school level, bringing in climate change into your classroom today is a little bit like bringing in evolution, which you're supposed to do in your classroom,
1: yeah. say, five
2: or six years ago. yeah. It's seen by some people as a political move, even though it's not. So by politicizing concern over climate change, it now is something that you can exclude from certain conversations in the educational framework and not expose
0: kids to. Yeah, it's because they don't like the political implications of what the science is telling us. Then uh, they seem to, to get scared by that concept of, well, if this is true, then this little belief we have over here has, must unfortunately become complete nonsense and a lot of people can't look that thing straight in the eye. Right.
1: Yeah. So that's well actually when um you guys had interviewed Paul Douglas that's what was, I called in uh, to ask him about was you know why is this such a political football and of course he was bringing up well you know the oil companies and profit and they're paying for it. You know. <laughs> I just don't see why that's not obvious to people and very frustrating to me.
0: And and there are movements in in religion on that, and we can um, bring that up when we come back because we're uh, coming up on our first break. So you're listening to Atheist Talk on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. So please stay with us through the break, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Scott Loman. If you have a comment or a question, please call us at 952-946-6205 or send an email to radio at mnatheist.org. Greg and Lynette, welcome back to Atheist Talk.
1: Hey, thank you. Now, I was looking at you earlier because because we were talking so much, I wanted to give you a chance to talk. So I was feeling bad for you. Like, we're just talking. Which and, is just fine. And you'll be fine. Okay. All right. But that,
2: actually, what we were just talking about off break, I wanted to mention one aspect of that because yeah. it's interesting that we're talking about education and how that relates to all this and so on. Yeah. And it was actually when I first moved to the Twin Cities and as an evolutionary biologist at the university, I got called in to help mediate or help, help advise people on a local school district where there had been a couple of creationists elected to the school board who were trying to stamp out evolution in the local schools. And the teachers were doing a very good job at fighting against this. Mm-hmm. Those teachers are all still there. Those school board members are not there. Mm-hmm. But it was at that time that my colleague Rusty Lowe and I got invited to Scott's... Uh, cable show. Cable show. Yeah. Was it the Humanist show? Humanist views. yeah. Yeah. The, being, and it was being done down in, 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 a, in a St. Anthony Main,
0: yeah, main, main area. Studio.
2: And that's where I first... I just remember I had just moved to Minnesota from Cambridge, Mass, and uh, and I was confronted with the concept of a local school having creations of a school board, which to me, as living in Massachusetts, is like that's just unthinkable, absolutely unthinkable. And uh, and and then we had the show, and we talked about standards and how science standards help to fight this kind of thing. And then we all went out to have a beer in the same building. There's a restaurant, there's a bar there. Well, and I realized this is the first time since I moved to Minnesota that I know that I'm sitting at a table with every single person here as an atheist.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, and, and that's something that was completely normal
0: mm-hmm.
2: in the Harvard community in Cambridge. I mean, maybe there'd be someone here who was religious, but they're probably Unitarian. So it doesn't count.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So my transformation mm-hmm. to becoming an official calling myself an atheist was, was Scott was there for it. Like I now have to call myself an atheist because mm-hmm. i never had to before. I just was <laughs> by default. And now I'm in a community where there are school boards forcing science out of science classrooms
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and that that's it still goes on
2: it still goes on yeah we've we've actually kind of won the evolution fight more is in minnesota it doesn't happen so much here anymore no one can get away with it anymore but um but now it's happening with climate change
1: yeah
2: now climate change is a thing that's under attack by religiously motivated people mostly working through all the usual mechanisms in our education system and elsewhere
1: yeah That's just, my mom was a teacher too and I remember her saying, now of course this was at a time when the environment was not a political football and kind of we were talking about before when when, um, this show had interviewed Paul Douglas and I had called in and you know, he his religious affiliation is different, his climate change views are different than his um, political affiliation, which to me I'm like, well then give up that political affiliation Paul, I don't get it. But you know, and he was just saying, well, you know, there's a lot of money involved with keeping this idea that climate change is a hoax. And I remember, like, there was a guy that I got my car fixed with, and I remember he had like, just I don't know, I don't want to say. Well, he had Rush Limbaugh on, okay. okay, and 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 he was talking about. I said, why why do you don't you think that there's such a thing as climate change? And of course, I shouldn't have said that because he just went on and on about how it's a hoax, and and it's like. I, I don't understand. I can't even, I don't even remember what he said. It was so bizarre. And I don't know where this information is coming from. But I was like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Where are you getting this information from? But he's convinced that this is just like total lies. And I said, well, what's, if we were to, you know, what's wrong with like respecting where we live? I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, I don't – yeah, I guess that's what I'm I'm confused about. I don't understand where – I don't listen to those programs that he that he listens to. I probably could force myself and then Scott I could does. become educated. Do you have a do perspective you? on this? I <laughs> do. And, and where is it this coming from? As
0: is, is near as I can tell, it's – you know, they're buying into the stuff that, that on the right wing is, is, one, not trusting science because, one, they don't quite understand totally what science is. They look at science as – Facts I learned in the science classroom, like I learned facts about, uh, you know, about how English language works, or about that. And yeah. the scientists keep changing things on them and saying, "Well, we're gaining understanding because we're learning how to understand things better." As this, this is, so they're not looking at science as a tool that we humans use to figure out how the world works. Yeah. and that's what scares them, is because um, they want to look at it as. A set of facts that doesn't change. You can go to it like you could the old encyclopedia and look at something up. Whereas, okay. you know, they keep going, well, why do you have to keep revising them? Because we keep learning new things. We find new techniques to understand things. Okay. We find new techniques to understand. How to um take a look at ice cores, for instance, to so we can look at how temperature has changed over time because we understand how ice is composed. The same thing we do by looking at the layers of the rocks to understand how they were laid down and they keep going, well, it's you know the earth is only really six thousand years old. It's like, yeah, you guys understanding of geology is a little on the bad side. And not understanding <laughs> How those observations go. They keep yeah. they when you talk to like, you know, the evolution debate we've brought up, is they say there's now and you can't understand history to, you know, because there's historical science. It happened way back. Nobody was there. You weren't there to watch it happen. And they don't seem to understand that a lot of these things are such gradual processes. You know, we could then go down to a lake and say, let's watch the lake bottom, you know, the sediment grow in the lake bottom. They said, Um, it's sort of happening one little dusting at a time. Yes, that's how that process occurs. So it's going to take several decades for this lake to fill up or this little pond to fill up and become a bog as opposed to being a lake. And those are the concepts that, from what I can tell, they don't understand about science.
1: Yeah. Well, I was having this conversation with a conservative—I don't know. Are we not supposed to talk about— Religious affili- or kind um, can a little bit. Just you know, we just don't get into
0: more specifics. But okay. there, it is the political spectrum, does make a difference. I
1: was talking to a right wing minded person. Um, uh, can I say that? Yes. Is that okay? You right. did. Uh, I did already. Okay. Um, and he's and, and then you've heard this line before. I didn't. You don't have to hear me say it. But he was saying, "Well, I just don't feel that you know humans can have that much of an impact." And I said. What about water? When was the last time you could dip your cup into the lake and drink it in the river? I mean, ever since I was a kid, you couldn't do that. You'd think you'd be crazy. You can't do that. You're going to poison yourself. So, I mean, obviously, we've learned to live with our water being poisoned for a long time. Did that just happen? I mean, I thought that was human-related. So, obviously, humans were able to accomplish that. So, I don't...
2: The total amount of energy that we use burning fossil fuels every year is a double-digit percentage Equivalent of the total amount of energy that the Earth converts from sunlight using photosynthesis.
1: You might have it's to like, repeat that again. That's a heavy. Just think about the total of amount that. of energy
2: that the Sun provides to our biological system through photosynthesis. Just like as, a, as an amount.
1: Yeah.
2: Our burning of fossil fuels is equivalent to about a third of that every at any given in any given year. Yeah. That's a so that's ton. the effect humans have. It's a ton. It's it's like many tons. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's a lot. Of, uh, that's it's a, a lot, lot of energy, and I don't yeah. think people are going to grasp that um, and why it's important for us to stop. I, I mean, think about the it, waste products of that into our environment. That fossil fuel
2: was originally plant matter created from sunlight. Okay. Every year, we're using a third of what's there. How much of that plant matter is converted into fossil fuel every year? A fraction of a percent. So it takes millions and millions and millions of years to create enough energy for us to then spend a century or so burning it all off, and converting it from physical um, uh, solid matter into gas.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So the, the, it's... <laughs> where it can then begin, eventually, it can be converted all back into fossil fuel again mm-hmm. over a period of a hundred million years or so.
0: Yeah. There's there's books, and they use the terminology of the burning up of of using of ancient sunshine, right? On that part, and. It's,
2: tens and hundreds of millions of years worth of ancient sunshine.
0: Yeah, and why we're not doing a good job of preserving that or stopping that and just using the sunshine straight. You're listening to Atheist Talk on KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We'll be back after the break. Climate change is going on, and it's important that we get all communities talking about it and involved with trying to find the solutions. The religious community seems to be ignoring the issue and is hoping that it's a fraud of the uh, that the right political field contends it to be or a fact that will f- affect the entire planet. So, we need to be working on that. Welcome back to Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. If you have a question or a comment, please call us at 952 946 6205 or email at radio at MNATheist.org. I'm Scott Lohman. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from Minnesota Atheist and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you'd like to advertise in this program, please contact us at radio at MNATheist.org. This radio program is put together by dedicated volunteers and by the generous donations of our listeners. If are able to help with it, donation, please consider doing so at our radio fund page. Minnesota Atheists is a 501c3 deductible or tax deductible organization. Our music is composed by member Brent Michael Davids and is used with permission. Check the schedule for book clubs, discussion groups, pub crawls, movie nights, and other gatherings throughout the year, as well as sign up for meetups, listen to podcasts and previous programs, subscribe to Atheist Weekly email, and become a member, all at mnatheist.org. And now, back to our final segment in our discussion, and stay tuned for the Minnesota or for the American Atheist's um, viewpoint uh, in the next segment.
2: I just want to mention, uh, not much of a side trip, but just a uh, Many, many people in the Minnesota atheist community in particular know Sean Otto because he's given talks to the groups here. And he wrote a book called The War on Science as current. And look for him out there now. He gives the talks. War the War on Science. War on Science. War on Science, okay. Okay. yeah. And, and he, he, he has a framework that really does explain and helps to understand the transition from a, a society, Europe, controlled by religious authoritarianism to one that involves initially the American Revolution and then other similar things casting off the monarchies. Mm-hmm. and separating church and state and going towards different ways of constructing and how society works as being basically a function of the same process that brought science to the forefront as an important aspect of culture through people like Jefferson and Franklin and so on. Mm-hmm. It's just a very I- important read as to how this all works. There's a lot of it has to do with – a lot of our questions can be understood by looking at the role of authoritarianism
1: okay.
2: versus not in, in culture and society. The okay. science is not authoritarian. It can't be. But but organized religion almost always has to be.
1: Well, because like you were saying earlier, is that there are fixed ideas that there are people that love those fixed ideas and weather can change and things can change and they don't like that it's changing, right? Or have no explanation for why it is or...
0: Or not understanding those processes and wanting society to be this way.
2: Yeah. And one of our major cultural breaks from authoritarianism that has happened more recently, and I know Scott is an expert on, and I know you have something to say about is science fiction?
1: Yeah, science fiction. Yes, we were talking earlier the movie The Blob, and you know we were saying earlier like science fiction. It's the future, and and so I was watching the movie, and then I was totally blown away because at the end, now I hope I'm not spoiling this for anyone because it's an old movie, people. So uh, is at the very end they're like, well, they sent the Blob to the Arctic, and they said, well, as long as the Arctic stays cold, we'll be safe. <laughs> and then I just got goosebumps and chills because I was like, oh, my God. Because that seems so ridiculous at the time that, of course, the Arctic is going to stay cold. That's what it does. But, of course, here we are. And if you want to believe it, I guess. Well, we'll
2: have to investigate. And I know exactly the guy to do it, David Kirtley, should do this. Um, what people might have been thinking at the time who wrote that. They might have had in their mind. Because climate change has been yeah. an issue for a long time. Yeah. And, and it, it might be. The, Bob is from the 60s, Right.
0: Late 50s, early 60s. Late 50s. Yeah. So
2: they may not have understood that the, – that they might have been thinking saying the Arctic will always be cold is like saying hell will never freeze over.
0: Yeah. Or they might not have been. I don't know. Yeah. Are they still alive? Well, Can we ask them? Yeah. Well, a lot of the science fiction at the time, especially in the 50s when it was the heyday of the Cold War, was a lot of Cold War paranoia being put in there as aliens and others. Yeah. Which is why you see a lot of alien invasion movies, the paranoia of – um. You know, say, the, looking at, at the movies uh, like in, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where mm-hmm. in there people are being replaced by pod people and looking like themselves but actually no longer behaving like themselves.
1: <laughs> or like or, a communist
0: would be. Yeah. At, or, you know, look at Godzilla – Um, You know, just to play with the classic monster movie here, Mm. is that was more of a fear of the atomic era right? because in there it was an uh, atomic test that wakes Godzilla up. So it's the fear of this big, uncontrollable, powerful thing on that, and, you know, those can translate a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking of a few things right now in my mind. Now, I have to get this one joke in because they said, oh, we only have so much more time left here because we've been having so much fun. Um, Well—
2: because you are a comedian.
1: Because yeah. I am a comedian. I try to be. Um, so, some people might disagree with that. I don't believe that you are, but... Um so when when I hear Christians talk about you know that they're not they don't not concerned because they're going to go to heaven and you know so this place is left to dust you know so what they're not thinking of their grandchildren apparently um, but I was just thinking like okay now when you're when you rent you know you have to be responsible for the property that you live in and basically we're all renters and if God is our landlord then when you go to heaven. I, you're not gonna get your deposit back. If you trash Earth, they're like, Well the last place you lived, it's like in disarray. And you wanna come here to heaven? I don't think so. So <laughs> I just something to think about. I'm I'm just putting it out there.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's having the long view about the you know the environment and our world is we're we're only here for a little while and then we we hand it over to another generation, right? And at this point, I always keep telling my son, "I'm sorry, we need to apologize to you because we're not leaving the world in better shape than when we acquired it, and you're going to have to work harder or you're going to be in trouble."
1: Yeah, and to me, that just seems like common sense or being a responsible human being. I mean, it's like 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 when you're in a rental place, you don't trash the place and then expect to go get a lease somewhere else because they don't want to. And so just being responsible. So to me, it's just irresponsible to not consider that. So. Well,
2: when you have young young kids these days in high school saying they don't plan on having any kids because they don't know what the future's going to be like for them.
1: Well, that's kind of why I didn't have kids, actually. And this was in the 70s because my mom didn't seem to have any good answers for what was going to happen in the future. So I understand. You were you were brave. You, yeah. you did have one. Just the one. Did you have any kids? Two. You have two? Okay. Yeah. Good for you guys. All right. So anyway, but that's a different show,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, those are all concerns where we're actually showing that we're thinking about that and understanding that because there's always the disconnect between how a person looks at their own individual life versus then what everybody else does. Yeah. And to me, that's, I don't have that disconnect because I work in customer service, so I'm used to dealing with everybody else on yeah. that and trying to help uh, answer questions and do that. Right. But getting out where it's like, well, we know that we need to take care of this part and we're just going to handle our little part of the world, not understanding that still those actions have permutations and will ripple out into the rest of our society. Right. And especially when that comes to the environment is yeah. that's the, when you try and, ex- the, when people talk about ownership and you talk about the river going through your property, um, that you can't look upon that river as it's yours because it, if for a time it is on your property, yeah, but the water going through is moving on elsewhere. Yeah. And if you can take that approach to the environment where I can't throw through anything bad there because that's going to affect John down the street right, um, or in the next property over that we can do that. But we don't always see a lot of that because people are keeping in mind their own issues of going forward.
1: Yeah. And, and we are supposed to be stewards. And Even as I was researching these things, I mean, there are actually a lot of really, there are a lot of groups and organizations that do happen to be Christian. I'm not saying I'm a Christian. I'm just saying I was raised that way. Um, You were raised that way. Were you raised that way too? And a lot of us were, but, you know, you could kind of see stuff that didn't make sense. And I could sense that with when we went to church when I was, my mom was an atheist. My grandma wasn't. My grandma took us to church. And, but I could sense that there was this kind of disconnect with, you know, like, just what was going on around us, and and we also where we lived, it was going to be proposed. Uh, we lived in the in the country, and it was going to be a landfill for Hennepin County. So a lot of the, the neighbors actually did um, grow together, uh, merge together, and and really. Um, Get concentrating on. I'm using. I'm. I'm, think, I'm thinking too much right now. Um, so recycling. Okay. No one thought anybody would do it at the time, and now whenever I go to the recycling bin where I live, it's always full. I mean, I have to put bags next to it. So people can recycle. But I remember at the time, and this was in the late 70s, we were saying, well, how can we reduce our garbage? How can we reduce? And and people at the time, like the the people at the top, would say, oh, people will never recycle, and they're doing it. So I mean, I think that there's this. People don't have faith that if if you present a problem, I think people can do it, but you can't just deny it and say it's not there uh, because I don't because because obviously it's not it's not real it's not reality. There are,
2: there are a number of religious organizations that uh, that have uh, stewardship organizations, and there is a stewardship movement within the religious organization. Yeah. And actually, this is where we've we mentioned Paul Douglas several times. Yeah, and Paul is uh, has wrote, wrote a book with a with a guy who's actually an Anglican bishop or. Protestant Bishop or something um, and they talk about that and uh, uh, on, uh, on stewardship one thing is, it's interesting though is one group of these Anglican bishops or Protestant bishops gets to, has gotten together every couple of years for a conference to try to figure out how to transform the more or less Protestant uh, fundamentalist religious community into one that is involved in stewardship and they may have had some successes recently but in the past they They often get together and they end up arguing about the Protestant equivalence of how many angels can actually dance on the head of a pin. I don't know what they do, but they they (laughs) argue and they fight and they get (laughs) mad at each other and they go off in hissy fits and they don't ever do anything. And that's been the history because to them, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is this other stuff they have with their religion. Meanwhile, I mean, I have, I give talks on climate change to groups and I talk to rotaries and I talk to other groups and I talk to churches and it's, it's almost always a subset of religions that, that are, some Catholic churches, certain Lutheran churches, and of course, all the Unitarians and so on are very much into this. So I, uh, last time I went to talk to a church, it was in South Minneapolis, of course, and I wasn't sure how much pushback I would find. I would find yeah. What I found instead was I heard a lot of great stories about how people's own personal experiences with their solar panels on their roofs and their, you know, engagement in this. And it was basically, I'm talking to the converted. I'm just giving them an update so they know the most current science. Yeah. No one's being convinced here. Everybody's on board.
1: Yeah. There's
2: many, many religious groups where everyone's on board fully. So
1: that's the good news. That is the good news about yeah. that. That, yeah. you know, people would, but this idea that, oh, people aren't going to do it. They're not going to understand it.
2: And well, this last time I was in a church for a, a family-related thing, and I heard the the, the the what's it called the sermon, and the sermon was all about how it's okay. It was a relatively high-end community economically. It's okay to be wealthy and to not feel bad about it. Never mind this thing about the camel it won't go through the head of the needle
1: yeah. or whatever
2: the eye of the needle. There's a there's a way to think about your wealth that makes it okay.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's also what religion can do is it can make be, you comfortable and comfortable in, in, with uh, your. Your place in
0: life. Well, you yeah. can
1: be wealthy and not be hurting people. You can. I mean, Paul McCartney is wealthy and he doesn't hurt people, does he? So.
0: You know, it's all different approaches on that. I'll take my story. Huh? Yep, the, we're we're coming up on just under a now, minute to go. So, but
1: now we have so much more to say. Now the show's ending. We, yes. we
0: always have that, and but there are uh, political organizations related with religion that are out to n- debunk. Um, the environmental movement they call it totally. they call it attacking the green dragon. They worry about that. The Heartland Institute, which is uh, basically funded by the uh, fossil fuel thing, is run by an economist who likes to lecture us all on um, the climate. On that, so but uh, anyway, we're. Out of time on that, so thank you, Lynette, and thank you, Greg. We have hope we've gotten a little bit of enlightenment out talking about uh, our our discussion on approach to the environment because it does get just a little tricky on that, and it's complicated, and it's an ongoing conversation we need to keep having because things are coming up on us, aren't they, Greg? And I'd like to thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk. This show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and donors. Join us again next Sunday. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at mnatheist.org. The podcast for this show will be on the radio page later today. Stay tuned for the American Atheist Viewpoint. This has been Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.